Please turn with me once more in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This morning our text will be verse number 37. Verse number 37, the words of the angel speaking to Mary, saying this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And our title for this morning's message is this, Nothing Impossible with God. Nothing Impossible with God. On this first day of a new year, we are truly blessed, aren't we, to be here. It's wonderful that the Lord has given us this grace and mercy that we can be here this morning. We have come through yet another year. And some of us have had better years than others. 2023, for some people, would have been a very, very difficult year, a very challenging year, a very trying year. And you would probably most likely look forward to a new year wondering what will happen. Some of you might have had very good years and wonder what the future may bring and what the future may hold. Whatever the case may be, wherever you are, we have blessings that we still have air in our lungs, a heart beating in our chest. The Lord has given us the grace to have this life up until this moment. Even I speak to the unbeliever here. Now, the unbeliever without Christ, you have nothing. But the Lord has been merciful to you that he has given you life until this point. Don't waste it. Look to the Lord especially as a new year is upon us. Look to him, because without him, your future is not bright at all. But I pray that I'm speaking to all believers here. I pray that everyone here is truly a believer in Jesus Christ. Whether you're five years old, whether you're 15 years old, whether you're 50 years old, that, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is your Savior, not your family's Savior, but your own Savior, that He has redeemed you from sin and from hell. And for the believer here, you may be at a stage of life, you may be wondering why you're still here. Perhaps friends and loved ones have gone to be with the Lord, and you're wondering, how come the Lord has left me here? Why has he not taken me to be with my husband or my wife or my brothers and sisters who are now with the Lord? Dear friend, the Lord has a reason for you to still be here. A good, holy and righteous reason for you to still be here. He knows the end from the beginning. No matter how old you are, no matter how sick you are, the Lord has a purpose for you to serve him in your remaining days while on this earth. We are limited in so many ways. But our God is not. And in, as we look forward to a new year. Yes we are limited. Yes we are nothing. Yea we are even less than nothing. But the Lord is not in any way limited. 
For with God, nothing is impossible. See, I hope that we will all look forward to a new year with hope. Excitement. No, I don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but the future is bright for the believer in Jesus Christ. The future, indeed, is bright for the church around the world. I don't know what will happen in 2024. But surely the Lord is able to bring about revival and reformation in our day, is he not? And so we should look forward with optimism, not with pessimism, because nothing is impossible with God. Now, as we look at this text in verse number 37, we must define what we mean here. And we will do so on the first point. For the year ahead, we are limited, but we serve a God who is not. The first point that we're going to look at on this text in verse number 37 is God's promises. God's promises. We have to be careful here. I think we'll often, in, in, in the scriptures, we shy away from these texts because they've been so abused and misused by so many. Verses have been taken out of context to preach a health, wealth, and everything will be fine kind of message. It's another gospel. But there is encouragement here for the true believer in Jesus Christ that we should not shy away from. It is, yes, easy to take this verse out of context. You may have a very difficult year ahead. But if you have God, you have the riches of the kingdom of heaven. What is it saying in context? Verse number 37, for with God, nothing shall be Impossible. This is the angel speaking to Mary, this glorious declaration. A declaration telling Mary about two wonderful promises. One promise has already come to pass. Um, Elizabeth is pregnant in her, in her advanced years. And Mary, it's going to happen in the future. The Holy Spirit will come upon Mary and she will be with child, the son of God. This is incredible, isn't it? Both of these are amazing, but especially the second one. The Holy Ghost, verse 35, shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. Of God. The Son of God. Miraculous conception. I think we often talk about the miraculous birth, but it's really the miraculous conception from the moment that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. It was a miracle. Mary, without a man, conceived. Now, with men, this is impossible. Impossible. We know from nature, if you're going to have, if you see animals, if you see puppies, you know that there's going to be a boy and a girl, and they will make puppies. Everywhere in the animal kingdom, you know this. Nature tells you that there must be a father and a mother. But this is a miracle. 
And this is an amazing promise of God. You see, friends, this text, what the angel is speaking about here, is really about the promises of God. And it's focused upon the promises of God. It's vitally important because what will happen, and it's very easy for this to happen, that we, we see the encouraging parts of Scripture. Yes, the future is bright. Yes, the, but we mistake the promises of God. We cry out to God in complaint and we say, how could you let this happen? We go through difficult times. You may see the, the, the death of a loved one. Someone who has helped you in your Christian faith. You may lose a child. All these things. You see, we've got to realize that the Lord never promised any of us an easy life. But what he has promised us explicitly in the scriptures, nothing shall be impossible of those things that are promised. I think it's very important that we point this out because if we imagine for ourselves what the blessings of God really look like in this world and they don't happen, it's very easy for us to become bitter and hardened toward God. And we also must not look for those things that are contrary to God's word. Only those things that God has promised. There's a sense even in this text in the original language that this is really focusing upon the things, the words that are promised. It says all words. See, we can have this idea that it's easy to become this, could you say, clean living religious person. I go to church. I give to the church. I even spend time with Christians. Why are not things working out for me? And it happens, and you see it happening to people around you. They go through a difficult patch, difficulty, and then they stop attending church. And they abandon God. Because challenges and trials come before them. And they may even look to a verse like this and other verses. And they think, well, look at this. God has never promised us an easy life. But he has promised wonderful things. He promised Mary a wonderful promise. He promised Elizabeth something that happened as well in her advanced years. Years beyond when you, a woman would be expected to conceive. See, we can listen to the promises of God in 2024, or we can listen to the promises of the world. We can listen to the promises of our own hearts, and we may even attribute them to God. But God has not made them. So we must be very, very careful as we approach such a text. The promises of the world will always disappoint. The promises of the world will always disappoint. The world's words, the world's promises, they will not satisfy. We see we've been made in the image of Almighty God. And only God will satisfy you. The world will not. The world 
will not. God's promises, God's word will not return void. All utterances. What has God promised? Now, God has not made any specific promises to 2024, has he? This specific year that we're in. He's not made any promises to this specific day. We don't know as if this could be our last day on earth. None of us know this. For this life is but a vapor. We don't know how many more seconds we will be upon this earth. But the Lord has made promises about the future. We'll turn to one of those. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 31. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 31. Down to verse number 33. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he unto them, and the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole, leaven, till the whole was leavened. Do you see what is being said here? A mustard seed is tiny. Absolutely tiny. And this parable is showing what the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. Verse 32, which indeed was the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest. It also talks about leaven. Leaven is something that spreads throughout the dough and until the whole is leavened. What is it teaching here? The kingdom of God, at that time, how small was it? Just located generally to one part of the world. Sure, there were Jews and various parts but generally speaking in that one part of the world around Judea and around Galilee and surrounding areas the kingdom would grow in Acts chapter 2 there were thousands saved how many know the Lord today I don't know the exact numbers but there are today millions of Christians around the world. As bad as things may appear at times, there are millions of Christians around the world. Many of them we don't know of. Many of them in countries that they're not even allowed to share the details of because it would pose such a threat to their lives and the continuation of the churches in that area. The kingdom advances. The kingdom grows. Sure, it may take a few steps backwards, but it continues to advance overall. How many more Christians are there today than there were 2,000 years ago, even during the time of the Acts of the Apostles? The word spreads. The Spirit of God moves powerfully still around the world. That's the promise. And we've seen it happen, and it's continuing to happen around us. And it will continue. We don't know what this year will bring forward, but we have the promise of Almighty God that the kingdom does advance and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We will not build the church. The Lord Jesus Christ said, 
I will build my church. The Lord will use us to that end. You see, the promises of God are far better, far, far better than the promises of the world. It's far more glorious, far more encouraging, far more wonderful to listen to. In Romans chapter 11, there's another wonderful promise that will come in the future. Romans chapter 11 and verse number 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now this is speaking of Israel according to the flesh. Brought back by faith alone. In Christ alone. Into that one olive tree. I don't know if that will happen this year. It may happen this year. It may not happen for another 10 years. But it will happen in the future. Is not not a wonderful thing to look forward to. That the Lord's ancient people. Imagine that. Imagine the news Imagine the headlines if you have a whole nation of people who currently largely reject Jesus Christ as their Savior, looking unto the one whom they have pierced. He came into his own and his own received him not, and they all looked to him. Could you imagine? Isn't that far more wonderful than anything that the world could ever promise? And you say, I don't know if that's possible. Well, with things that may sound impossible, for with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing is without power. That's literally almost what the verse is saying. There is not powerlessness with God in all the things that are promised. What about to you, dear, dear believer? What has he promised you? In John 14. John 14 verses 1 to 3. We may be saying, well, there's those things promised for other parts, but what about me? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. So friend, the promises of God. Should we not remind ourselves of the promises of God for the year ahead? He goes to prepare a place for you. Be not afraid. So our second point is God's power. God's power. God's promises are what is promised here. And they are not without power. What stops God in his purposes and in his will? Nothing. Nothing. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Not Elizabeth becoming pregnant in advanced years. Not Mary 
conceiving of the Holy Ghost without a man. Nothing is impossible with God. Why? Because of his power. Nothing stops God in any way because God's power never changes. He's always all-powerful. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know about God? One of God's attributes is this. He is immutable. He cannot change. He cannot deny who he is. He will be forever and ever who he is. He cannot hand away power. He cannot gain power because he has all power. You see, friends, we are limited. Everything we see around us in our daily walk is limited, finite, but we serve the infinite God. We even struggle in our Westminster Confession of Faith to describe the greatness of God. We use words like most loving, most wise. He's infinitely loving, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful. Because we are mere creatures who are limited. We are created of the dust of the earth, but not like our God. See, what we can do is we can see the limitations of the things around us. The powerlessness of our own hands. The powerlessness of our own efforts. The powerlessness of everything we see around us. And we can begin to liken the things we see around us unto God. And don't you see that in the book of Isaiah many, many times? Unto whom will you compare me? See, that was the great mistake that the people of God made in that day. They compared God unto things made with hands. They compared God to idols formed in the mind of men. Think of the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17. Paul writes to the Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's why anybody is saved. Nothing is impossible with God. So when you are witnessing to that neighbor over and over again who refuses to come to church, and it seems like it is completely futile and useless, think of this. Who is more powerful, their heart or God? You see, if it had anything to do with the obstinacy and the stubbornness of the human heart, there would be no one saved around the world. Not you or not me. But God is more powerful than the hearts of unbelievers. You see, God is powerful, all-powerful, and can change the hearts of those people you are witnessing to on a daily basis. You see, it's so easy to become pessimistic, isn't it? We look at the things around us. We look at the pattern. And we just think things are going to continue as they are. 
We may think, well, there's fewer conversions and maybe there's fewer children staying in the church and all these things that may easily distract us and may easily discourage us. But never forget that nothing is impossible with God. Perhaps it's that son or daughter, you've, you've taught them the truth. But there's no signs of saving faith. There's no interest in the gospel. Be, cry out to the Lord because the Lord is powerful. He is able. There is still hope while that person is still on this earth. We must realize that we must be not pessimistic. About the future, we can't be pessimistic about the future because if we're pessimistic about the future and just think, well, things are going to get worse and worse, we limit God, don't we? We think, well, that can't possibly happen. For with God, nothing is impossible. We saw in the text we read earlier two wonderful examples of the power of God, of things that men do not believe are possible at all. But with God, nothing is impossible. Matthew Poole said this, No considerate man will from hence conclude that things are possible to God which would derogate from the perfection of divine being and our imperfections in us. Let me put it another way. Failures in us are not possible in God. We are limited in our power. We are limited in what we can do. But our God is surely not limited in any way, shape, or form. Number three now, God's purity. God's purity. So we've looked at God's promises, God's power. Number three now, God's purity. Let's think about this phrase, with God. For with God. The third commandment is a commandment against the use of the Lord's name in vain. There's something powerful, isn't there, about the use of the Lord's name. And we have to be very careful of how we use the Lord's name. Now, it's not just about our vocabulary, the words we use. But when we speak the name of God, when we share God's name, when we speak about him, we are speaking about his reputation. We are speaking about his goodness. Who is God? He is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah sees this in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3. What God has said, he will do. Now, we know from his power that he will do it. But we also know from his reputation and his goodness he will do it. He is holy. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. We say that there's things that God cannot do you might think well doesn't that sound like a contradiction no he cannot deny himself he is the truth the way and the life and it's another reason for us to have confidence about the future because of his purity because of his blameless pure pristine character because of his reputation as Jesus said himself I am the truth the way and the life. You see, if you go away from God, what do you have? When you, when you depart from truth, you embrace lies. There's no 
neutrality in this. To be with God is to be on the side of truth. And on the side of truth, the truth, nothing is impossible. Idols which take the praise that is due to God alone, they are but the products of corrupt men's minds. We need to trust God. He is pure. He is good. Sin is not exceedingly sinful unless you see the purity of God. And the promises of God are not exceedingly wonderful and reassuring unless you realize the purity of the God who has promised it. You see, we know, don't we? We've seen rulers in this world who have power. They have the ability to do good. But do they? When we think of politicians and other people. Often they have power, but what they do is they serve themselves. They don't keep their promises. But God is different. Holy. Separate. Undefiled. Pure in every way. So when we hear this, yes, it is spoken to Mary, this proclamation from this angel speaking to Mary, for with God nothing shall be impossible. But in many ways it speaks to us all. If nothing is impossible when we think about Elizabeth conceiving at an older age. If nothing is impossible when we think of Mary. Conceiving without a husband. Conceiving without a man. Conceiving of the Holy Ghost. Conceiving one in her womb who is. Who was the son of God. Who is the son of God and continues to ever be the son of God. When we think about that. What else does God promise? What else does God, has God ability to do? And what else in his purity of his character does he carry out? And it's also because of his purity, friends. We also have to think about this with God. With the name of God. With the reputation of God. Hell is real. Why? Because of his purity. Because he is pure, he loves that which is righteous and good and holy. And he hates that which is evil. God is not pure. God is not good unless he hates evil. And pours out his wrath upon sinners for all eternity. That is the God. You see, sometimes we'll see other promises... Of an eternal damnation for those who do not trust in the gospel. And we almost talk about it as if it's not going to happen. It will. It does. It's a terrifying reality for many who have passed into eternity. I think there's about 70 people in the United Kingdom every single day who pass away. 70 people who will stand before their maker. Every hour... How many people is that? From the beginning of the service to now, how many people who have passed from this life? And because of the purity of the God, who they thought would not do such a thing, because they had another God in their minds. See, this is the God, this is the pure, loving, good God we have to tell people about. Because they don't know Him. They have another God in their minds. They have a God in their minds who wouldn't, 
dare send them to hell? Oh no, not me. They think they're good people. Perhaps if you're as bad as somebody like a Hitler. Friends, we're all sinners. And God is infinitely pure. And with him, nothing is impossible. Finally, number four, God's purposes. God's purposes. So we've looked at this morning, God's promises, God's power, God's purity. And finally, number four, God's purposes. For all these reasons we have mentioned already, we can have confidence about the future. It doesn't mean that 2024 is going to be an easy year. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that even today will be an easy day. But the future is bright. If we're trusting in Jesus Christ. Another reason we can be confident of the future is his purposes. What is the Lord's purpose? He is beautiful in holiness. He is powerful. But his purpose is to glorify himself. The Reformation had five solas. One of them is soli deo gloria. To God alone be the glory. All these things we see happen around us, even the things we don't understand, the difficult things, the hard things, the things that bring us to our knees, the things that bring us to tears in the evening, the things that rob us of sleep, all things in this world are done for the glory of God. We may see it later. We may not see it later. We may not see it in this world. We may. But it's all to the glory of God. Of God, And it serves a purpose and it, it's a powerful and glorious purpose of making his name known. Now making his name known is not purely just happy things happening. We're sinners. We are sinners. But because he's glorious, to make him known is to his light, his radiance, his splendor to shine forth and to be shared. You see... We can't make God any more glorious, can we? God is who He is. He is infinitely glorious. But we're to glorify God. That glory is to shine forth in our lives, in our actions, in our words, in our deeds. John chapter 12 and verse number 28. John chapter 12 and verse number 28. It says this, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Romans 11 and verse number 36. Romans 11 and verse number 36. For of him and through him and to him. Are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Because of who he is. Because of the purposes of glorifying his name. Because his light will shine forth. This is why he made the world. This is why he saved you. 
Yes, he said his love upon you, but first and foremost for the glory of God. Because of the greatness of his name, to make his name known that it would shine forth. I think it's important that we know this. As I said earlier, we can't add to the glory of God. During the Reformation, a group known as the Jesuits thought that they could add to the glory of God. We cannot. We cannot. But we are to glorify God. We are to point toward that splendid radiance. And because that is part of his purpose in making the world, in saving you. And even, dare I say, the pouring out of wrath, both in this world and in the world to come. It all is to make his name known. Making his name known in his mercy. How would we know of his mercy? He saved sinners. How do we know of his justice and his goodness and his righteousness? He punishes sinners for all eternity. That victory shining forth. All those things that seem impossible to us. And they are impossible to us because we're limited beings they happen because of God and his purposes they happen because of God and his power they happen because this shows that God is not limited in any way he's not limited in his justice he's not limited in his wisdom he's not limited in his glory he's not limited in how wonderful he is there's a sense in which the more we learn about God, we are left speechless. We are left in awe. We are left in the sense of... That we cannot wait to be with Him forever and ever. Have you ever thought about this, dear friends? If we were worshipping the mere products of our hands, we would grow tired very, very quickly. There's only so many things you can learn of your idols... But we would spend an eternity of eternities learning of God and still never come close to a drop in an ocean of his greatness. We will never ever come to the point in time when we'll say, I've learned all that I need to learn about God. We'll never be a billion years from now, having been ages and ages in, in heaven, if you could measure such a thing, that we will think, ah, I've mastered the knowledge of God. It is impossible. His wisdom, the depths of his wisdom. You can get to the bottom of the, the Pacific Ocean. It's very, very difficult. It may cost you your life to go down to the depths of those oceans. But you can't, there are no bottom, there is no, he's unfathomable. There is no, his depth is infinite. See, that's the glory that's going to shine forth in his purposes. That's the glory he is making known. That is the reason. A meteor. That is the reason we share the truth with our children. That is the reason we tell our lost neighbor why they need to know Jesus. To make his glory known. Isn't it a wonderful purpose? Isn't it a joyful privilege that we have to declare this? We can't add anything to God. But we can point toward him and we can exalt him.
in this year ahead. As we conclude, in 2024, with God, friend, do you see this? You have everything. The riches of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That is yours by faith. Do not look toward the future with pessimism. The unbeliever has every reason to be pessimistic. The unbeliever has every reason to look with dread every time their head hits the pillow. But for the believer, friend, you have every reason to rejoice and look forward to the future. The promises of God. Will you spend time in this year ahead? Meditating, thinking about the promises of God, those comforting promises to prepare a place for you, dear friend. How much he loves you, how much he delights in you, in and through Jesus Christ. Do you see the promises of God? Do you see the things that we even have to meditate upon? They're wonderful, they're joyful. And as we come to a new year, let us think of the most important new. A new heaven and a new earth. A new Jerusalem. That is coming. Without fail, that is certainly coming. As certain as Jesus' first coming was, his second coming is. Do you long for that day? It may not happen in 2024, but it will happen. And isn't it a glorious thing to be part of the bride of Christ? Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God.